their ability to receive services shouldn't be dependent on their geography. And sometimes that's just unfortunately how it is, but what can we do better either, you know, in outreach through us or in, in working with school districts to make sure students all have that equitable access to the materials they need or the instruction that they need. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Superintendent Emily Coleman. That's right, if you skipped the last episode, you may have missed the news that I've switched positions here at TSBBI. Having moved over to the main building, I've vacated one of the best seats in the house the chair of outreach director. Luckily, Kate Borg has arrived, and we're about to learn more about her and why she'll make an excellent addition to our Texas team. I ended up in the field of vision impairments actually a little bit by accident. I was substitute teaching in a preschool classroom for kids with autism, which I just loved and thought, you know, I think special education is the world I want to want to land in. And someone had told me about a grant at the University of Utah for, for teaching students with sensory impairments. And I thought, well, you know, I, I grew up knowing a little bit of sign language, so I think maybe that's what I'll pursue. But when I called the university, they set my appointment with the wrong professor. And I ended up talking to the professor over the program for vision impairment and I walked out registered for classes and I've been so grateful I haven't looked back since I'm so glad that this is the the field that I ended up in so I taught as an itinerant teacher for several years was a classroom teacher for a few years and then was a the principal of the Utah School for the Blind um, for about three years I'm so excited to be in Texas it's a lot more humid but I'm excited to be here <laughs> So uh, I know as an itinerant, you worked in back east somewhere, right? Where were you? Yeah, so I taught for a few years in the D.C. area, northern Virginia, just about 20 minutes south of D.C., Prince William County School District. Again, that was very different from being an itinerant teacher in the mountains of Utah. Learned about bigger city living. And yeah, so that was was a lot of fun. I'd gone from working, you know, multiple districts to just being in one. And so that was a different perspective. What about like services between a rural area? Area and a more urban area. I mean, do you find that the needs of the kids are the same? Are there were there any like really big differences that you noticed? I think the needs were the same, but the ability of the school district to provide for those needs were different. Mm. You know, coming from where I covered, you know, five or six school districts in my first few years teaching, uh, and some of them, you know, maybe had one or two students with a vision impairment, and so their ability to to provide what they needed was was just different and more difficult. We had to be more creative. Mm-hmm. And then going to a school district near DC where there were 10 TVIs. Yeah. I, for the, so for the first time I had colleagues, <laughs> which was, you know, that was amazing. Yeah. But also to be in a district just that had, you know, some more resources to meet those needs was something different. And, you know, and that's something that their ability to receive services shouldn't be dependent on their geography. And sometimes that's just unfortunately how it is. But what can we do better either, you know, in outreach through us or in, in working with school districts to make sure students all have that equitable access to the materials they need or the instruction 
direction that they need. So why did you feel the pull to Texas? Texas in general is in my blood. My mother's from Texas, and so I've got family all over the state. No one in Austin, um, <laughs> but lots of family around. And so it's always been a place that, you know, we've come to visit, and I've just really always liked coming and meeting the people and um, just the the culture and not the humidity. But for TSBVI, I think, you know, just being like a a flagship school in our field, the curriculum and resources that come out, just even the, you know, the names of people that you see in the articles. Well, when the position came open a year ago, I laughed a little bit because I was like, well, those are some big shoes to fill. (laughs) And then, you know, saw that you, that you'd received the position was like, okay, she's going to be great. And then the position came open again. And I went, well, there's another big pair of shoes to fill. Um, But this time just felt like I wanted to, to throw my hat in Uh and just, you know, see if I could have some new opportunities to learn and to grow and and be part of this institution that just, you know, I have respected so much for all of my career. Well, we're glad you stepped in. I'm kind of glad you didn't a year ago, but I'm glad you did now. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny, and uh, colleagues back in Utah will attest, even when I applied this time, I thought, you know, I'm just applying to apply. I just, you know, really just want to go through that process. But the more into the process I got, the more intrigued and excited I got about the prospect of being able to come here. And now that I'm here, I'm just overwhelmed (laughs) and even more excited. (laughs) You know, we're doing this interview on day two of you on the job, so I'm putting you in the hot seat pretty quick. (laughs) Right now, my hierarchy of priorities is learn everybody's names. That's good. And then learn everybody's jobs. (laughs) (laughs) And at some point, I'll learn my own, too. We'll we'll see. That sounds good. All right, so what do you love most about working with and for students who are blind, visually impaired, and deafblind? That's a tough question. When I am asked questions similar to this, I I think about one moment in particular. It was still when I was a a young itinerant teacher and was working with a student who was very medically fragile, um, had, you know, many additional disabilities to to his cortical visual impairment and was receiving services in his home. And working with this mother, you know, and I was there week after week and we just were not seeing progress and, you know, just this this poor mom who just thought, you know, are we, are we wasting our time? And, and I just said, well, let's, you know, let's just keep trying. Let's keep trying. And I remember the moment when he turned to look at the light that we were showing him. And it just was such this powerful moment that both mom and I started to cry, but it was just, it was magical. And I think that's the thing that I love so much about being in this field are those magical moments, you know, that we get, whether it's a student, you know, learning their braille contractions for the first time or turning to look at something for the first time. I love that we get to be part of those moments that sometimes we get to help create, but sometimes are created for us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of a, I think a broad answer to that question, but I mean, that's just really what it is. It's just those magical moments Mm -hmm. of, of learning and exploring and those aha epiphanies that happen too in our job. I think that's great. I think that's a reason a lot of us are are involved and passionate about this work. You mentioned being um, having a moment with a mom, and I know you've had roles specific to family engagement before. So why do you think it's important to connect with families as an educator? It's so important that we're involved with families and families are involved with us. And when you look at the a life of our students, we're really not a part of their life for very long in the, in the grand scheme of things. And it's so important that, that we understand family backgrounds and that families understand 
understand the things that we're doing at school and, and you know, that we, we've got that good and solid team. When we look at specifically students with vision impairments, you know, the expanded core curriculum isn't just based in a classroom. You know, these are our lifelong skills that just run the gamut of the students, you know, in different environments and um, where they might be. And so it's just so important that we have those kinds of relationships with the families that they feel, one, they feel comfortable in being able to ask us, you know, for some help for things that happen at home. And I think as well, it's just important that that we understand where the students are coming from and where they're heading. You know, what are the family's goals for this child so that we can really help the family feel like they're being successful and that their child is being successful. The fact that we have such a short time frame mm -hmm. with with the students that we serve and especially especially if families move around or the child mm -hmm. moves districts or or whatever that you have to make sure that you're keeping them in the loop mm -hmm. because when they move on they're the ones that have to be the stewards of that information right. for their child. In Utah, we're lucky enough that our early intervention programs had specific teachers who are certified early childhood vision specialists, right? Great. They're there in the home and, and teaching the families. And then when a child turns three, coming into that Part B, um, those Part B services that happen at school, those home services stop. You know, and as we looked at it going, well, hold on, there's nothing magic about the age three. You know, so what are things that we can do to continue to, to have some services in the home? And, you know, so looking at how, how we did preschool. And so looking now at this outreach program and just learning about, okay, so in Texas, what, what are we doing to help continue some of those early intervention services that, again, don't magically, at age three, it doesn't mean a family doesn't need that support anymore. You know, just the opposite. That's when the child really needs to have more parents understand like literacy again those expanded core curriculum areas so that the child can continue to make progress we know that those ages at three to five are so vital but especially at those ages so much happens at home mm -hmm. versus the you know couple of hours they might be in a preschool class right I know on a personal note your mom works in the field as well does isn't her focused early intervention it is we have kind of a family joke because people always say oh you followed your mom and I was like no vision was my field first um, but she's done early intervention and early childhood for a long time yeah she ended up in the vision field a few years after I was and she's the director of our early intervention services in Utah that's for students cool. who are blind. Yeah, it is. It's fun. It's been fun to get to, to share our profession, just collaborate. And we've done some trainings together, which has been really fun. And, you know, I just have to share, too, because people say, well, you know, you work with your mom. Well, isn't that just hard? I'm like, no, we love it. <laughs> it's been so great. So that will be one thing that I miss. But I think she's excited to have me in Texas because it's home for her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Does the rest of your family ever say, quit talking shop at the dinner oh, table? all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday dinners at home revolve a lot around Braille and <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> assistive bet. technology. I bet. That's really cool. So you've already mentioned a couple challenges that our students face, but what do you think are the greatest challenges that they come across? One that comes to mind, I call it the poor blind child syndrome. You know, this this deficit thinking that often follows our students. And I think there's even kind of two schools of thought where we have kind of the poor blind child syndrome, this idea that because they're blind, mm -hmm. you know, they can't ABC. Right. Um, 
But then on the other end of the spectrum, we almost have this like superhero complex. And again, this isn't anything that the kids think. This mm-hmm. is the adults around them. I remember an experience where I had a, a high school teacher just come to me saying like, you know, Johnny tied his shoes. It was amazing. And my response was, well, he's 17. Of course he tied his shoes. You know, but just this idea that, oh man, look at all these things that they do. But just really helping, I think, educate the community and these families and and even the students themselves that they can and should be participating in their education. Being blind, one, is not a cognitive impairment in and of itself. You know, that those expectations should be high so that each student can reach their potential. I think that that's just really important. And unfortunately in society, I don't think that we've we've really mastered that yet. You know, I I think that there's still kind of that that thought that um, our students are or should be more limited in what they can do but you know as as we know being in the profession no there is no limitation on what our kids can do i think that that's just i think that's the challenge just really helping people recognize that hey our kids have good potential mm-hmm. you know and we can help them reach that i think societal perception of blindness is a challenging thing to overcome because mm-hmm. most people just don't have very many experiences mm-hmm. with those that are blind or visually impaired and so they have this I like the phrase you use deficit thinking mm-hmm. um, that we have to help our students we don't only have to help them overcome it but we have to teach them how to advocate mm-hmm. for themselves and put themselves out there because once they go out into the world it's going to be on them to try to shape the way people perceive them. Right. A colleague of mine talks about the kind of the Mr. Magoo versus Daredevil. Mm. You know, that like Mm -hmm. either they're bumbling around is the perception or they're this superhero. And it's like, you know, no, our our kids are just like any other kids. Yeah. The same kinds of challenges or the same kinds of hopes and the same kinds of potential, I guess, really. And yeah, just helping our teachers and educators and again, families just understand Mm -hmm. that hey, you know, they're, they're still a child. They just might happen to have a vision impairment. Yeah. But that doesn't change, you know, or shouldn't change our expectations and, and, and hopes mm-hmm. for them and the, for their future. Based on what you know about TSBVI, what are you most excited about working here? At first, I was a little bit starstruck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I actually get to, like, meet these people yeah. that yeah. I've read their articles. But, I mean, really, I, I'm genuinely most excited just about the programs themselves. I mean, I know that's kind of, again, like a, a, a general answer. It might sound mm-hmm. like a pat answer, but but really I am fascinated with how a state as large as Texas, I mean, overwhelmingly large, <laughs> <laughs> ensures that students across the state have access to services. Mm-hmm. And um, just the way that TSBVI, again, being, being a flagship school and especially in the state, I um, mean, just helping to provide support and resources um, to, you know, school districts and to families and to students themselves. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited to get to be a small part of that and just to learn about um, these programs and to learn from people that have been doing it really well for a long time. And I'm excited too just to see, you know, if there's anything from my experience to to add and to shape um, what, what we're doing here. I'm sure that you have plenty to bring to the table. Oh, that's good. I have, I have high expectations. And I'm like, I'm still trying to learn my password. <laughs> that's step one. What about living in Texas? Anything you're looking forward to now that you're here? 
I've heard a lot about the food. Black's Barbecue. Mm-hmm. Like several people have told me that's that's where I've got to go. Mm-hmm. I think right now I'm just so excited to be here for so many reasons. You know, I love like kayaking and being outside. Oh, and so yeah. I was already like looking in my neighborhood. I've got some fun places to go oh, and good. try out. The music I know is great here uh-huh. in Austin. But I think, yeah, I'm just so excited to be here. Well, I was most excited uh, two nights ago. I ha- was at the airport late picking somebody up and I saw my first live armadillo. And I was so excited. <laughs> and it ran across me on the road and I screamed at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and scared you know the heck out of everybody in the car <laughs> I love so my dad and I drove my cute dad drove with me from Utah and yeah and our whole entire drive here didn't come across a single yeah. armadillo I mean I'm glad we didn't run over any but I was really disappointed to mm. not have seen <laughs> not to have seen any I hear the more you go out hiking which it sounds like you do and you're out and about yeah. the odds are good okay well no, that's good to know yeah get in a ferocious battle with an armadillo right well if that happens please tell us about it <laughs> on the record I will for those educators students and families supported by TSBVI outreach What do you think is the most important thing they should know about you? I want people to know that my door is always open. Come and let's visit if there's concerns or problem areas or triumphs Mm -hmm. to share. You know, I want to hear about that. I want to know how we can better support students throughout the state. But I also want to know how how are we already doing a good job? You know, I I, want to know those things. And so I think that's just most important that, yeah, you know, my my door is always open. Um, I'm passionate about our students and I'm passionate about this field and recognize that, hey, you know, there's things that we can always be doing better. And just as our, our students and families grow and change, our programs need to grow and change. Mm-hmm. And so we want to know genuinely what is it that that Texas needs from us mm-hmm. and how can we make sure that we're providing that continuously. Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. You may be wondering what it's like to be on the TSBVI outreach team and what Kate has gotten herself into. To share a bit about our culture and spirit, we've asked another Kate, Kate Hurst, to paint the picture. I think that everyone that comes on to this team, whether they feel like they're one when they start out or not, their their passion and their drive leads them into an area where they see a need in the state and they really take leadership and ownership for that and, and trying to make sure that that issue or that initiative moves forward. I know when I first came on as a family specialist, all of a sudden everything was about families and I used to get sort of kidded when we'd have meetings because they would oh wait Kate's going to talk about what families need <laughs> you know because I think when we take a position and we get out and we do the job for a little while we see an issue or a situation that we just become very passionate about trying to help make a difference in that that area and I see that with all my colleagues here. 
way back in time. We were encouraged to let humor and fun and play be a part of what we did and how we did things. And we all took that to heart. Well, we didn't need a lot of encouragement. And I think that the things that goes along with that passion that people have for their work is this joy in the work that they do. I mean, there are days when, you know, any job you kind of want to drag in a little bit, but there's just a lot of joy in coming in and working with people. When I first came into outreach, I had some background in deafblindness, but just being able to hang out with my colleagues, I feel like I've earned a doctorate's degree in deafblindness just hanging out with these people. It, it's amazing the, the knowledge that's collectively held by this group of people. They're also very innovative. You know, there's really this desire to let's make it better. Let's figure out a way to make it better. And, and a lot of times it's really thinking out of the box. But it's also digging back into the box and seeing some of the stuff that we used to do that sort of slipped away and making sure that that doesn't, the stuff that's really valuable. I'm thinking of things like all the stuff that Van Dyke shared with us and all the things that Lily Nielsen shared with us, that those practices don't get left behind or forgotten. And I think the team reveres our past and is very innovative in thinking about how to make things better in the future. I guess my first piece of advice for Kate would be don't panic and enjoy the ride because it's an amazing experience working with these folks and, and, and working with all the families and the kids and the teachers and all these different people out in the state. It can be very daunting at times and, and I know for myself when I first came in there were many days when I would go home in kind of tears because I didn't think I was up to the job but there's always support here. This is the most collaborative bunch of people I've ever worked with. They're very generous with their knowledge and their support. If you don't know something, there's always somebody here that knows the answer right down to where we keep the tea bags in the, you know, the break room. So there's always somebody there willing to work. And I think for her, just that knowledge that she is becoming a part of our team. She may be our fearless leader by title, but she really comes into this team and we just help each other out, you know, and we learn from each other and we grow with each other as we go through whatever we experience, good, bad, and otherwise. Thank you for joining us as we got a sense of Kate's, which is what we affectionately have coined this episode. If you find yourself with a question or need pertaining to students who are blind, visually impaired, or deafblind, then track us down. We're here to support students, families, and educators like you. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.